Todd Adams, Zen Parenting Radio. This is Kathy Adams. We are going to talk about choosing carefully when sharing your shame. Meaning? Meaning? When you are sharing a sacred part of yourself, being thoughtful about who you share with. Because we've got some situations where people are oversharers, which is one extreme. Or people don't share anything at all because they don't trust anybody. And then, unfortunately, all that shame or pain or whatever gets stuffed down inside. So this is Unparenting Radio. So for the new listeners, they'd be like, why am I going to bother listening to this? I want to know how to put my kid in a timeout. (laughs) What's your response to that? This probably... Well, actually, I think this is a great podcast for you. But we're not not in in the world of teaching you how to do things with your kids. We're in the world of teaching you how to be more self-aware mm. and how to be more compassionate for yourself and therefore teaching your kids to do the same. It translates to parenting, but it's not a how-to guide on parenting. No. And, and I don't believe that how-to guides are really effective because there's too many... Um, there's too many variables. Conflictual advice out there. Different personalities, different experiences, different situations, different, different emotional elements. And yeah, I mean, if you're looking for the expert advice, it's going to be different all across the board. Before we get into this conversation, I want to talk about our partner, Helping Hands Maid Services. Mm-hmm. They were here last week, thank goodness. And they have this really good newsletter that um, our friends should sign up for, and I'm sure you could sign up for it on the... Uh, website, helpinghandsmaidservices.com. Or you can like their page on Facebook. But they got a bunch of coupons 25 bucks off, 100 bucks off, top to bottom, deep cleaning plus carpet and upholstery, 50 bucks off. I mean, they got all this stuff. So if you sign up for their newsletter, you're going to get coupons. And Todd likes coupons because he gets mad when I don't use coupons. Thrifty McSaves a lot, likey. Sometimes I'll go somewhere and he'll say, But did you have a coupon? Or did you use the coupon? I'm going to talk a little bit about my guys' weekend I had this weekend, but we play credit card roulette and I lost. You didn't tell me that. I, I it wasn't a big deal because it was a small. It, it was a fifty dollar. Oh, that's not that, that. It was only three. Of we've us. done credit card roulette with much worse. Worth hundreds and hundreds yes, of dollars. And I was thankful we didn't lose. So yes, time. we are in debt because of credit card roulette. In and debt, for those $50. of you who don't know what credit card roulette is, you go, you have lunch or dinner or whatever. Usually, it's when it's with a bunch of guys. It's uh, drinks, drinks, and it's expensive. And everybody puts their credit card into a hat, and the waitress pulls out one credit card at a time and the last credit card to get pulled out is the one Why does not she just it? pull out one and because that's the one? Because there's no drama. You need drama. Oh, so if you pull it out, then you can be like, Then Whoa. you're safe. Oh, I like that better. Yes. yes, I like the drama. Or like what I usually do with my friend Dean, because Dean and I are always afraid to lose, we take insurance on each other. Ah. Which basically means, hey, if I lose, will you split it with me? And if you lose, will I split it, it with and you? And is that like in blackjack? When you take insurance? Uh, kind of like that. It's kind of the wimpy way of doing it. I was going to say, it's kind of wimpy. But I am wimpy. No, you're not. I'm not shameful about my wimpiness. Okay. And see I'm glad how, you're sharing See how I tied me. it in there? Yes. With shame? Yes. Uh, so, Helping Hands Made Services, 630-530-1324, uh, as clean as can be at home and at work. Mm-hmm. All right. So, here we go. Um so, you, so what was your inspiration? So again, you know, Brene Brown is out in the ethers. Everybody's talking about her. But um, the... the she was on Super Soul Sunday again, and one of the things that I was most inspired by, and it's something that, again, we have discussed, but this lady's got good language, is um, the idea of how important it is when you are sharing things that you feel shameful about, because that's big enough in itself to recognize that you're feeling shameful, right? to recognize that you are turning on yourself, and you asked me to give a good definition of shame, mm-hmm. and I will just use hers. 
a painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging and that we are unworthy of connection. So the gist of shame is something you have done, said, experienced, thought, thought, somehow then makes you flawed, Mm -hmm. unworthy of other people's love, not worthy to be recognized in whatever way, and that then therefore you're unworthy of connection. And here's the key to why this is so important. Connection is what we are born with, meaning we have the desire for connection. Remember in the documentary, I Am? Yes. The whole documentary is about understanding that we truly aren't the um, survival of the fittest kind of species where it's just we're all competitive and who's ever the best wins. The truth about us is that we are born to connect Mm -hmm. with other people. Within a community. Within a community, with work we love, with animals, connection in every form. And there's all these, in the documentary, there's all these examples of nature and how they actually cooperate to get through life. Now, there's obviously examples of, you know, the fastest lion gets the slowest gazelle and all that stuff. But there's other examples out there that explain the exact opposite. But the lions couldn't survive without their connection. Right. So, yeah, maybe the one who's quick... There's truth about competition, but competition is not inherently who we are. We are not born to compete and be the best. And we know that because you can get a high off of competing, but it doesn't last. But you know what does last? What? Connection. Um, can I uh, make an addendum to your definition of shame? Sure. Doesn't there have to be some type of internalization of, for shame to exist? So the other part about shame is not only, you know, so the, the initial definition, but it, the way that shame breeds and grows and becomes who you are is by not speaking it. Mm-hmm. So if you are feeling shameful about, and again, let me be very literal here because some people go, oh, well, I don't have shame. You know, that's everybody just, has everybody. It. Everybody has it, period. And it's not just about some big trauma of your life. It can be about little things. Like, I just lied to that person. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I remember um, one of my friends, and I won't name her, but she used to, in college, always get out of, like, turning papers in on time or whatever and say, oh, you another, know. My, another, another grandpa died? My grandpa died, you yeah. know. And she would feel awful about that yeah, afterwards. Gran- How many grandpas <laughs> do you think she had? Well, and that's the thing is is we were able to kind of find humor in it, and she was able to tell me about it. And so it's it released it and, again, taught her that maybe that's not the best thing to say. And also, I could bring humor and empathy to it where I didn't say, oh my gosh, you are so awful for saying that. That's making it worse. But the point is, is when you say it out loud and someone brings empathy to it, Mm -hmm. then it disperses and it can no longer live in you. It will no longer become you. So it sounds really simple, but the truth is we will sit here, people will listen to this and they'll say, well, that's true for some things, but for the stuff I'm holding, no way. Mine's so too big. would it be, uh, I'm just trying to get my arms around the whole shame thing. It's like just something that you don't like about yourself, whether it's a thought, whether it's an action, whether it is a gesture, whether it's like anything that where you kind of beat yourself up. That's a good way to say it. Can I, I will share my most recent story of shame. Sure. Okay. So this just happened on Friday. See, cause now that I, you know. I think a lot of the work that I have done and many of you who are listening are doing is going through and becoming more aware of what makes you feel shameful or the stories you've been telling yourself or dissecting the, you know, the thoughts that you have and saying, is this true? You know, it's the, um, Byron Katie, her work, the work, that's what she calls it, is all about having a thought and saying to it, is that true? And the thing that, um, so I've gotten much better at that, but really what you're, um, what you're breaking down is those shame cycles, you know, those those uh, running tapes in our head. 
So here's one that happened to me on Friday. So um, I'm going to make this as short as I can. I did this body work treatment like a couple years ago. And literally a couple of years ago. And it was wonderful. It was like a cleanse. It was called uh, Panchakarma, I think. You went away for a few days. Yeah. Anyway, it was an Ayurvedic thing. It was, like a, it was thing. like a solo retreat. Solo retreat. It was wonderful. And I had a lot of body work done and blah, blah, So I thought it was fantastic. And I had a good experience. But even during the experience, I would, because I talked to you a few times, I was like, I'm not sure if I'm doing it right, right. as if there is a right way. So anyway, during the treatment, I got a, a string around mm-hmm. my wrist to kind of signify that I was going through the treatment. Well... For about a year now, you and I have been kind of joking about the fact that the string is still on my wrist. Like, it's been two years, and this, you know, string still exists. And, it, and did you think it was going to fall off, like, in the first week or for something? For sure. I mean, you know, how many, how often, like, there was a time I wore a Kabbalah string. So maybe the string for you represented it was a badge of honor for going through yes. such a difficult thing. It was a badge of honor. I was like, wow, you know, I went through this intense treatment, and, and I was wearing it. So I still have it on. And so I finally wrote to my body worker and said, because she doesn't live here anymore. And I said, you know, can you believe I still have this string? It's so amazing. What a great experience. And she wrote me back and said, um, Kathy, the string is supposed to fall off when you've released what you were supposed to release. Gotcha. So you better go back and look through your notes and see what you didn't release. And oh my gosh, talk about a shame spiral. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, there's so many things that go through my head. Number one, I did it wrong, which is tends to be one of my shame gremlins. Somehow right. I did it wrong. Did you say shame gremlins? Yeah, you know what? That's a Brene Brown word. Okay. Um, instead of calling Have them shame... Have you seen the movie Gremlins? <laughs> no. You've never seen the movie yes, Gremlins? with uh, Gizmo, yes. I was going to call him Kazoo, but maybe it was His Gizmo. name was Gizmo. Okay. I have. She calls them shame gremlins. Um, sometimes I. It's the same thing as having a running tape in your head. Right. Um, it's the same thing as having a voice. You know, the the neurotic roommate, roommate which roommate. is what Michael Singer calls it. So it's the same thing, okay. or the ego, right. as Eckhart Tolle calls it. So we'll just give you lots of different definitions. So I'm like, okay, I did it wrong. Two, um, I didn't release something, so something's wrong with me. Just that whole thing. And you know what ended up happening? What? I started to experience some significant anxiety and I couldn't breathe. Right. Okay. So then I go into a shame spiral of I'm a yoga teacher and I don't know how to breathe. Mm -hmm. And I can't believe it. And oh my gosh, what would people think if they knew I was having like, because it wasn't like a full on panic attack. I wasn't afraid. I just was noticing my breath was getting shallow because I've experienced panic attacks. And you've learned how to breathe and you've learned how to deal with these situations that you couldn't pull yourself out of it. I teach people how to breathe. So how shameful does it feel? To not. to not be able to breathe. So it got really intense. Now, here's the thing. So you were gone for the weekend. Yeah. So I was stuck. I was, I was busy doing a lot of important things. Like having beers. Yes. Okay, we got to tell that FaceTime story too. Oh, yeah. But that, let's... That we'll was do, funny. Okay. I'll write that down. Okay. So I I can't breathe. And so I'm going through it and I'm feeling all shameful and I'm like freaking out. And then to cut to the chase here, finally on Saturday, so I'm still not breathing very well, I said, oh my gosh, I'll just tell Todd. Mm-hmm. And tell him, because Todd, if you guys don't know this, he is my, like, best friend and rock about everything. Like, I tell, he probably, I probably. I can, I'm pretty good at listening without judgment for you. For sure. Not, not with everybody, but with you, there's a, an unconditional love. Or, yeah. That whatever you say, I know we're going to be okay. We're go- That's the key, is no matter what I say, I know that he sees me and that it's not, the things I'm saying are not who I am, but just part of what I'm experiencing. Because you've shared some pretty intense <laughs> pretty ideas. Pretty intense things. We were just talking about some things this morning, which I'm not going to share, but that I've shared with him over the years where he's just been like, okay, let's go on. Yeah, let's work So he's it. been that person for me. Um, but anyway, so I was like, I'll share it with Todd. And even before... I shared it with him, which I have since, and I'm with all of you. 
it, it was going away. Hmm. Because as soon as you start to realize, once you say it out loud, and you kind of can ham... Because the thing that t- Todd and I use a lot, um, if you can't tell, is humor. Hmm. So let's laugh about the fact that I'm having an anxiety attack over an orange string around my wrist. Right. And that it's somehow I'm buying into the fact that that somehow means I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not deep enough. I did it wrong and that I'm a bad breather. Right. I'm letting all those stories become I think it's true. hilarious that, you ju- that there was a part of you that decided that you were a bad breather. Yes. I was like, I suck at that. You know what I thought? You, this will not surprise you at all. I thought I should take a breathing class. Yikes. You got to get certified in breathing. <laughs> I like to get certified in things because it somehow that makes me feel I'm more valuable. Um, and so anyway, I'm working through that because I, I feel like that comes up all the time. A new class. Um, but anyway, so I still have this orange thing on my wrist. And, and again, I want to say this. I'm not making fun of my body worker for telling me. Mm-hmm. That is her truth. And that is what the experience is, quote unquote, supposed to be. So it's not like, oh, she's wrong, I'm right. It's about we have to make a choice if that is our truth. And if it doesn't help us, meaning if that's only scaring us and hurting us and making us feel like we're not good enough, then it's not worthy of our time and energy. Right. Meaning, you know, there is no point in me stewing in that and saying I'm because that doesn't help. But you know what does help? And maybe this is the whole point of the orange string is later today, you and I and the girls, we are going to say something meaningful, or maybe I just am, and the girls will be like, what are we doing? And I'm going to cut this off. Oh, I was going to ask what we're going to do. I'm going to cut it off. Are you? Because you know what? This It's an empowerment thing for me. I am not going to look at this every day and, and think about being unworthy. Right. I'm going to make a choice to say, and I'll still do cleanses and mm-hmm. do those things. It's not like I'm done with it. Right. I'm not going to throw out the baby with the bathwater. But if something is not helping you become more empowered or feel better about yourself, then it's probably not the right choice. Mm. What do you think about that? I'm in. Okay, so yeah. we'll, we'll cut it off later. Are we going to burn it? We tend to burn a lot of things. Yeah, well, I one of my other teachers taught me and us that burning things is not about, it's not any kind of violent yeah. thing. It's putting it out back into the air where it belongs right. and allowing it to go back to, you know, that's kind of a Native American mm-hmm. belief system. So yeah, maybe we'll burn it Yeah, in an effort to say, I did get something out of this and... Maybe getting one of the main things I got out of it was the ability to cut it off and not buy into something. Maybe that was your whole lesson was for you to be empowered enough to take it off yourself instead of let the universe organically let it release because it's a really thin string. Well, it's triple though. I'm shocked that it has survived through. I know. You know, 200 or no, 600 showers or whatever. I know. And like, you know, so many things. Like I had a massage about a month ago and she was like, can you take that string off? Mm. And I'm like, I can't. And she like, even pushed and pulled it and it, it yeah it's crazy so in some ways i think there is a deeper lesson but here's the thing i would like to be the one to make the decision about what feels good rather than have someone else tell me this is how it's supposed to be because that's an old pattern of mine right that's yeah. why i go to other people's classes and say teach me so i can say hey here's what i learned in the class and in this case you're teaching yourself you're taking the bull by the horn amen not the bulls that are not on the farmland is as we talk about in our tournament of bad. Okay, yeah, Todd still is confused why there's not more male But we're not going to get into that, okay. but can uh, do a quick transition. We usually talk about our show and books and all that at the end of the show, but we are doing a tournament of bad March Madness thing. Yeah, it's really fun. So get on Zen Parenting Radio Facebook page, and every time you vote, we have different votes, usually 
one a day during the weeks. Mm-hmm. And you can go back in time and vote on some of the previous things up until that bracket is complete. Mm-hmm. So I basically listened to the last few minutes of all our shows since I started doing the Tournament of Bad. You can vote on it. If you vote on it, you are entered into a drawing of either two of your books or a new brand new Zen Parenting Radio. And you t-shirt. don't know this, but I think we're going to give away more than like one shirt and two books. Like I think yeah, if people, if we get a lot of that. people who vote, I would like to share the wealth a little bit. You know what I mean? Because it's more fun when you win. And I don't want people to be, you know, I want to give have more than one winner. We'll talk about it. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. Um, so anyways, get on our Facebook page so you can enter it. All you got to do is click on one of the four entries. That's it. It's easy. Okay. So so have fun with that on Facebook. If you, aren't, if you don't already like our page, make sure you do that. So I want to talk about our next um, awesome partner, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. They are our chiropractor. And Dr. Kelly sends out a really good newsletter as well so this is our newsletter special podcast Mm -hmm. and it has all these different articles one talks about whiplash one talks about how your backbone actually has four different curves in it i didn't know you know they say stand up straight you figure it's one line Mm -mm. yet there's actually four different curves Mm -hmm. um they talk about sleeping and and that your neck is part of that curve you know that that's right kind of disassociate their neck from their spine but it's still a continuation and dr kelly's kind of crazy she's got one in here talking about what your urine should look like that's a total dr oz thing remember when he did about what your poop should look like um no because i didn't watch dr oz on (laughs) oprah but you did Talk about excuses, excuses, about why you decide not to work out. So anyways, get on uh, Dr. Kelly's website. That's uh, chirotree.com. And you know what's funny? I just said to Cameron this morning, um, TMI, but about if you, because I always talk to the girls about drinking water, make sure you drink water. And I said, you're going to know yourself if you're drinking enough water. Your pee should be clear. Your pee should be clear. Or just kind of yellowish. If it's dark yellow, you haven't had enough water. Unless you take vitamins. If you take vitamins, it gets it all yellowy. But usually in one it does meaning mm-hmm. like it's not going to be like that the entire day right. when you take it maybe the hour later and I, i'm not a medical professional so i don't know that for fact i'm just saying that from my own personal experience yeah, i got no idea but anyways carotree.com 630-941-8733 and the special that uh is being offered through zen parenting radio is if you do a one-time consultation with dr kelly she will give you a free 30-minute massage yes so it's a no-brainer um 630-941-8733 so where do you want to go next? Choosing carefully. I want to, I am going to kind of circle back. You love that language. Yeah. Circle back. Sounds like a business. It's a total business language, yeah. business jargon. We're going to circle back to choosing carefully um, when sharing your shame. And this um, is uh, definitely part of this is Brene Brown. So I want to give her, you know, Kudos. full props for that. Um, but then some of it, we're kind of infusing our own kind of thoughts on it because through personal experience and you know, and, and such, we want to kind of infuse our own thoughts because go ahead. Well, before I think, um, I think we're taking a few steps like, uh, men and women, once again, treat, I think this very differently, okay. generally speaking, um, not to say men don't have shame, but I think men require more energy than to even have the realization that it's there. Yes. Like we're about to talk about who you should share your shame with. Right. And I feel like that's step two. Step one is to realize that you have it. Yes. And I think guys are more predisposed to internalizing things, not even being aware that they have it, Mm -hmm. much less choose to share it with anybody. 
We go into the basement in our man cave and watch TV. Well, and let's go backwards. Let's talk about the whole man box thing that that guy, that Tony guy, talked mm-hmm. about um, on uh, TED Talk. I can't remember his last name. The man who talked about how men are in their man box and how there's certain things that they have to do to be a man. Mm-hmm. And one of them is the fact that what does shame or um, any kind of wanting an empathetic response equal? Mm-hmm. Weakness. Weakness. Yeah. And men can't be weak. Right. So women have a more... More, uh, a more natural ability to speak about imperfections or challenges. Men have been told since they were very young through society and through their own home that mm. you yeah. you're not weak. Vulnerability or shame is weak and you don't want to show that because what kind of a man are you if you're weak? Right. Now what's weird is the women... All, but I feel like that's our baggage. But your baggage is you guys always want to be perfect, mm-hmm. right? You right. want to be the best mom, the best wife, the best daughter, the best worker, the best everything. And not to show any type of we imperfection. We want to show that we can do everything and it, it and we're fine with it. So what we're talking about here is let's just assume that whatever thing that you want to share that you're struggling with, you have already made a decision. Hey, I need to share this, which is kind of a big deal, right? It is. And it is. And, and it's a practice. I mean, and honestly, this list is not about who to share it with. It's about who not to share it with. Okay. Because it's a little easier to to kind of weed out people when you know right. who... And, and a lot of these, again, like I said, I have personal experience with um, professionally and personally. And, and I could just feel like, oh, I've totally experienced that before. Okay. So should we just jump in? Jump in the list. So the first one that you don't... A person that's challenging mm-hmm. to share your, your deepest thoughts or shame with is someone who gasps like, oh my gosh, and confirms Why? that whatever you're sharing, it feels shameful. Why? Because they're just reaffirming your that shame. That it's a horrible thing. And not only that, but here's the thing that, that I've experienced is you end up then having to calm them down mm-hmm. you end up having so to make them feel better you are about better. to try to process through yes. something and now instead you put on your i need to help this person hat the worst thing you can do and this is something i actually learned as a therapist or may, and maybe i did this before any kind of clinical training and i again not saying i did it perfectly but i could feel the importance of it is when someone tells you something especially when it's something really intimate even if you're having an internal response do your best to maintain eye contact and not have a a a big visceral response to it right. where they then stop right. because that's what happens. Shuts them down. It totally Closes shuts the them door. down. If you can stay and focus, and this is what we always talk about on the show in staying present for people's pain. The reason that someone gasps and confirms is because they're so uncomfortable with it. It triggers their own shame. Right. So they can't be present for it. Right. So they're like, oh my God, it would be the worst. I couldn't handle that. And then therefore they are reconfirming your shame. Right. So they're reinforcing what you already feel bad about to begin with. Like imagine if you went to a therapist who did that. Imagine if you went to a therapist who was like, oh my gosh, that's the worst. Okay. So that's the first one. Okay. Second one. Um, number two, and in, in again, people may be confused by this, but sympathy, expressing sympathy. Okay. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry for you. Oh my gosh, I See, feel so sorry. See, that doesn't sound like that big of a deal. But there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is I feel so sorry for you. It's pity. Mm-hmm. Empathy is I'm here with you. I hear you, and I am invested in listening to you, and I care about you. Mm. Gotcha. Empathize. You empathize instead. Of, sympathize is like I'm so far above that, mm-hmm. and I feel so bad for you. I think I have an example of that, and this okay. might not translate, or it might. 
in college, um, the last meeting of the year, the seniors would always have to say goodbye to everybody else. Mm -hmm. And then we would, and all the juniors and sophomores would have an opportunity to kind of say something to the seniors. Mm -hmm. And I remember my friend Mike Stanfell said, I'm just really glad I'm not you seniors because <laughs> it really sucks to be you guys right now. And a few of them took uh, took them to task yeah. because what a horrible thing to say. Well, like, yeah. I'm just glad I'm not in your position because you're done with this wonderful college experience and, and I got not. a year left. I feel sorry for you. I'm so glad I'm not you. Yes. How does that empower someone's self-worth? Right. When, especially when someone's in a vulnerable state, especially right. when someone is sharing their shame or they're looking for support and you say back to them, oh man, I feel sorry for you. That doesn't help. Glad I'm not you. And then you know what you do is exactly what the guys in your fraternity did. You become defensive. Mm-hmm. So you put that armor back on. Mm-hmm. So you had taken all that armor off. Right. And then you put it back on right. and you say, okay, I'm not going to do that again. Right. See, that's what we experienced in our childhood. That's why this is so hard. Mm. Because as children, we had no problem taking our armor off. We didn't even wear armor. Right. We were just like free spirits we're all naked. over the place. But guess what? People shamed us. Mm. People sympathized. Here comes the armor. Here comes the armor. I'm not going to go through that again. Right. And so anyway, that's number two. Number three, <laughs> and this is I experienced this one too much, other people's disappointment in the fact that... Um, that I or anybody else is not perfect. Mm-hmm. And meaning that some I teach a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. So if I ever share mm-hmm. like ooh, like you know the breathing story. Right. And again some of it may be my own crap, meaning I'm projecting that on people and right. I'll take ownership of that. But you know I'll share with someone, "Oh, I did that." And people will say, "You did that?" Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you feel more shameful like I'm supposed to be in a teaching role and here I am challenged right gotcha and i shouldn't be and they have they're disappointed in you for not being you know what this is todd hmm. lance armstrong michael jordan right you know all these people that we've talked about tiger tiger woods you were supposed to be perfect you disappointed me therefore you should feel shameful and i'm going to continue to shame you right okay don't, don't you think that's what that is i do i think that that is exactly what that is i'm so disappointed that you're not perfect mm-hmm. um well and my example with that was um this is a personal story, but I was in charge of holding my dad's really expensive yes. leather coat for while he went down to Florida. For and how like, old were you? Uh, I was I was in my twenties. Oh, you were an adult. Yeah, so this is not as a child, and I lost it. Some I don't know if I lost it or gave it away or somebody stole it, and it was really hard. Be, it was really hard for me to share that. Uh, say, Dad, I can't find, I can't find it. It was like a four hundred dollar coat, and you know because my dad didn't know any better. Or whatever he said, I. Just can't believe out of all the people to do this, Todd. You disappointed you did, me, right? Because I w- happened to be the one who wouldn't screw up. You're perfect. I, I was the golden child, mm-hmm. and he. I remember specifically. He's like, I can't. Out of all the people, I just can't believe you did this. It is the definition of fall from grace, right? And so, not only do you feel bad enough about losing the coat, now you're like, I am not worthy of his connection, right? Yeah, I felt. Awful. Mm-hmm. I felt awful remember before he said that to Did, me. Didn't you have another experience like that? I don't remember. I don't remember the wallet. I just remember mm-hmm. the leather jacket. Okay. And um, I felt awful before I told him, and I felt awful after he told me that he was shocked that I was the one to disappoint him. Yeah. That was awful. Yeah. Sorry, Dad. Sorry to throw you under the bus, but, you know, what are you going to do? Well, and it's a good learning experience because then the, the, the thing is, is if you have an understanding well, of this. My thing is I'm, I'm sure I screwed up a lot more before that. But I didn't tell him because I didn't want that. Experience. I didn't want him, his image of me to be ruined. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But this one I couldn't get out of. Right. He wanted his coat. I didn't have it. So before I probably 
you know, hid or shifted the truth or whatever it was just so he thinks that I'm still perfect. Right. And this one I kind of got caught on. Yeah. And You so, had to admit that you are fallible. Yes, yes. And, and that's and, and that might sound like a crazy story to people who don't know my family and my relationship with my dad. I don't think it's as crazy as you think it is. Really? I think everybody mm-hmm. likes to be perfect or in, infallible in mm-hmm. their parents' eyes. Right. You know, like, look at everything I'm doing and, uh, you know. Okay. So. so next one. Um. So the next one is feeling the person who feels uncomfortable with your vulnerability. So they say things like, how did you let that happen? Mm-hmm. As if they can't at all understand, right. which is, this is very minor, but it made me laugh because on our last show or two shows ago, the cookies, when I said, can you believe I ate four cookies? Cause I'm feeling not so great about it. Uh-huh. And you say, why do you do that? Right. And so in my in the moment, I was like, again, it's so small, but my work is to say in that moment, that makes me feel really bad. Right. That doesn't help. Right. You don't have to say the perfect thing. You don't have to say anything at all. Just hear me and know that that's not who I am. Right. It was an experience I had. You're not the cookie-stealing, eating type. No, man. I like them, though. I know you do. Okay. So... Oh, did you have more uh, no, about no, that? No, I'm waiting for... I want. I have an example for one you're about to bring up, but I, you haven't said it. Okay, so the last two. And this is where I think these last two are things that I do to other people mm-hmm. when I'm not a good listener. You're exaggerating. So, okay, so someone tells us something they feel ashamed for. Oh, you're exaggerating. It's not that bad. It's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. So the person listening can't even take it in, and they'll try and downplay it as if it's no big deal. Right. Okay, so is that the one that you wanted no, to jump on? no. Okay, so I think I have a history of doing that, and I may still do it, where sometimes I get so uncomfortable with other people's big acknowledgments that I will be like, you know what? It happens to everyone. Oh, it happened. You know, I kind of try and make them feel better instantly rather than just allowing them to release. And then the last one is very connected. Um, And this I definitely do. Confusing connection with Mm one-upping. And uh, I had my friend uh, Amy called me out on this in college. I remember that she was telling me something she was feeling bad about. We were roommates and I started to tell her how, oh, that's no big deal. Listen to what happened to me. I did this. And she actually said... Why do you always have to tell me a better story right. than the one I'm sharing? Why do you always have to one up? And I felt awful because my intention was to make her feel better, but really what I was doing was not hearing her. My example with that one is, and I don't know if it's the same situation, but I remember years ago my sister was struggling with something, and it was it was significant, but it wasn't a huge deal, mm-hmm. and I thought she may be blowing it out of proportion mm-hmm. a little bit. While at the same time, my friend's mom, Tommy Fitz's mom, was dying of cancer. Mm. And I said, listen, Shane, Fitz's mom is in hospice. Mm. Your problem is not that big. Mm-hmm. That probably wasn't the best. Well, it makes Like, your... is there a space for something like that? I don't know. I always feel like whenever I get worried about my own thing, I, I think of somebody who's struggling with something much Greater. There's actually a word for that. Okay. That it's that's that's a comparative suffering. Okay. Com- I'm going to compare your suffering with other people's suffering. And yours isn't. And as yours as- isn't as valuable. So therefore, I'm not going to acknowledge yours. Right. Now, here the thing is, is I think that um, that tends to be what we do to ourselves more. Right. Uh, you know, we talked about one thing I learned from Ian Lavanzan is um, um, is pain is pain. Mm-hmm. And maybe she wasn't the one. It doesn't matter. Pain is pain. No matter what your pain is. Um, it, you're feeling it and everybody can relate to that feeling of pain regardless how it comes. And 
the story that um, that I have is my friend Lara, when my dad was really sick and in the hospital, her, I think her dog died or her brother's dog died or something happened where a dog had passed and my dad was very sick. And she, I was listening to her about how sad she was and she said, I am so sorry I'm telling you this. Um, when you are experiencing something with your family. And it was kind of one of those moments where we were like, pain is pain. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. You don't compare your suffering. You relate to, you know, what you're experiencing by the fact of how it feels. I don't know. But isn't there a place where um, some perspective can be gained Mm -hmm. by, like, I, there's all these horrible stories out there. Mm -hmm. I have friends whose daughters are sick with cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a place for for keeping your own crap in perspective because my problems simply are not nearly as big as some other people's problems. And here's the thing. I agree with you. I like the word that you use, perspective. But if you decide to override your pain by shaming yourself for feeling bad that you are upset about this problem because other people's problems are worse. That's called repressing. Mm -hmm. That's called denial. And that's called allowing it to get stuck in your shadow. And so hear me out with this. You have to first acknowledge your own pain. You have to learn how to feel it. Mm -hmm. And then when practicing gratitude, you can say, say a prayer for someone who is struggling Mm -hmm. and say, I'm just, you know, when I see what they've experienced, I am therefore thankful for what I have. But you don't, what you like to do, Todd, and we've talked about this, you like to cut to the chase i'm feeling pain i'm not going to feel it because they're suffering more than i am okay done right you got to feel what you're feeling and then once you do that then you can start practicing gratitude Mm -hmm. and noticing it is a very fine balance and i don't think anyone perfects this Mm -hmm. i think that we kind of it's you know thus the definition of balance is always going back and forth you can acknowledge what you have and practice gratitude for it but if you use that as your crutch Right. To not feel, right. then it's not serving you. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of husbands can um, gain knowledge from what it is that you just said because that's something I'm working on all the time. Mm-hmm. I tend to uh, use any vehicle I can get after to shut down any emotion. Yes. And if that means I'm comparing my 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 own situation to a friend whose daughter is battling cancer, that's not a healthy choice. Mm-mm. And I need to have compassion for that while at the same time create enough space in my own existence to feel it. If you want to have compassion for them, have more compassion for you. Right. The more you can feel your own experience, like one, I'll bring up uh, Brene Brown again. One of the best things in her whole parenting manifesto is this long manifesto about, you know, what it's kind of like a family mission statement, like what Stephen Covey talks about. This is what we're going to do. When you are feeling pain or when your child is feeling pain, I am not going to take it away. I'm going to help. I'm going to support you so you can feel it. Mm hmm. Think about how different that is. Right. Uh, you know, when I'm feeling pain or when you're feeling pain in our family, I'm not going to take the pain away. I'm going to sit with you so you can feel it. Right. If you can do that, you are going to have so much more compassion for other people. Mm-hmm. Not only are you going to be a lighter person right. and a more aware person and a more whole person, mm-hmm. but you are going to then be able for that friend whose child has cancer be fully present for them rather than be sympathetic. Right. You can be empathetic. Right. It's like that number two. Well, and I didn't watch the whole interview. We just watched a quick clip before we pressed record today. But um, she talked about how it's unrealistic in most scenarios to have like 12 friends that can do this. Right. She basically said, if you have one person in your life that you know you can go to and express 
and externalize some of the hidden shameful feelings mm-hmm. you have about yourself, you're doing pretty well. You're, that's pretty darn great. And I think that that's an important thing. Like I think we kind of think, oh, I have such a great um, group of group 25 of 20, friends. Yeah. yeah. And really the idea is if you can find one or two or three, you're in really good shape. And sometimes it might not even be your best friend yes. doing it, right? Because right. listening with compassion, which is really all we're trying to ask your counterpart to do, is a skill. Mm-hmm. And not everybody has that skill. Like I know there are certain, you know, I sit, I talk about my three best, best friends, Charlie, Marty, and Herbs. Those are my three best friends from high school. I'm 40 years old and I get together with them all the time still. I don't think that they would be who I would go to, at least as a group, maybe individually. I can think of somebody else in my life. I would much, aside from you, okay, like like a male-to-male friend, mm-hmm. I would. I have somebody else in my life who I haven't known for that long, mm-hmm. but I just know that he is an unbelievably compassionate listener. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be your best friend mm-hmm. because your best friend may not be very good at that mm-hmm. skill. Well, and we have friends for different reasons, Mm -hmm. meaning friends serve different purposes in our life, and that's okay. We try and put all of our eggs in one basket and say, this person needs to fulfill everything for me. But that's not fair to them, and it's not fair to you, that they have their skills, and there's reasons why you love them, and there's reasons why you're connected, and nothing should keep that from being the truth. But there are also people, my friend Annie and I went out to lunch last week to talk about this, about how nice it is. She's in a similar line of work that I am, and how nice it is to be able to be really vulnerable with each other and share our ego issues and just say them out loud and put them on the table and still look at each other and understand what each of us has to offer. I'm so thankful for that. Well, what's interesting about that is you haven't known her that long. No, like two years, three years. And sometimes it's easier to do that Yes, with people because there's no baggage. Yes. Like I went on that retreat last fall and I shared things with those people who I'd never met before because it's like a blank canvas. Yes. You know what I mean? Right. And, and, and They're accepting you face value. And you're not going to be judged. And even if you are going to be judged, who cares? Because you're not going to see them after Sunday anyways. Right. Well, and I think sometimes our oldest friends, when we're growing and changing, they um, some of them can be like, well, you didn't used to think this way well, or you didn't used to do that. And my example of that is in my 20s, all I, my the common thread with me and all my friends was alcohol. We just drank beer together and all right. that. And, you know, this last weekend is a perfect example because I had plenty of alcohol this weekend. But on a lot of occasions, when I'm back with my old college buddies, I'm not the crazy, chaotic dude who I used to be. Mm -hmm. And some of those guys don't like that. Mm -hmm. They want me to be exactly who I was when I was 25. Timmy. (laughs) Timmy. And um, Timmy likes to play. Yeah. Timmy went to the fair. (laughs) Timmy went to the fair and got a balloon. Yeah. Inside jokes. Probably not the best (laughs) choice for right now. Okay. Um, anyways, so that's uh, kind of my... Well, and so basically they're saying, wait, dude, you used to be this dude and I was comfortable with this dude. I don't know this dude very right. well and I'm not as comfortable. And I think that's very natural and mm-hmm. I think that happens. And, and the people that we tend to keep in our life consistently for, forever are the people that allow us to grow and change. Right. There are certain, you know, what is the, the saying of there are friends for a season and then there's friends for a reason and then there's friends for a lifetime. Mm. Meaning that sometimes you have friends for just a, a period of time and that sometimes there is just somebody that maybe wasn't a good friend there and they taught you something about friendship so they were a friend for a reason. Right. And then there's friends for a lifetime who allow you, they give you 
not a leash, but that expansiveness to grow and change. And they don't try and bring you back to who you were when you were 20. And if they are, you better recognize that and know that they don't serve you the way they once did. Right. But that doesn't mean you don't have to not, it doesn't mean you, doesn't mean that you, you don't no like long, them. And it doesn't mean that you are no longer friends with them. Right. It means that the friendship has shifted in such a way. And you quit asking, why do they do this? Why do they do this? Accept them for who they are, too. There's a there's a mutual acceptance there. Mm-hmm. They don't want to do what you're doing. They don't want to go in that direction. They still want to do this. So accept them enough to let them do that. Again, I'm simplifying something that's very difficult that you and I have both experienced. But you you don't try and make them into the mold of what you think they should be. No, but unfortunately, the fallout from that is that the friendship loses its depth. True. True. And that sucks because you want to have the same depth that you had when you were 25. But something that that you know you and I have talked to and uh, talked about and I think we've both done is you try and force something that's not real. So you'll try and like force this in-depth conversation. And then it goes back to this list that we were talking about of the six people you may not want to share with. They may, you know, again, another Brené Brown quote, share yourself with people who are worthy mm-hmm. of hearing your story. And, and when I say worthy, yeah, what does that mean? it means people let them know you want to choose people who have shown you that they are willing to listen, that they can be empathetic, that are willing to allow you to grow and change, that are they have your back no matter what, that they see who you are, they, they, they validate who you are. Those are the people that you want to share with. Don't try and share with people to create a connection. Mm-hmm. You know, some people will do that like, well, I'm going to, these are the oversharers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to share my deepest, darkest secrets with this person and I met them two months ago or, right. or two months ago. One hour ago, right. I'm going to tell you everything about me. Those are total bar stories right. where you're sitting in a bar with someone and they're like, okay, let me tell you about this. I was traumatized when I, okay, I haven't earned this mm-hmm. position yet. Not only that, I don't want it. Right. I don't want to know all those things because I don't, this isn't real yet. Yeah, it's a one-way street. It's a one-way street and you're dumping your pain versus actually creating a connection. Right. I mean, that may eventually come, but those, the, you want to make sure that you're choosing people who, to share your pain with who can, who are willing to be there for you right. and go through it with you. So, so those six um, things that we talked about aren't necessarily the who, it's the how. Yes. This is how. Yeah. So if you want to say, well, I want to be this type of person for my friend right. next time they come to me, write these down. Yeah. And, so, and I'll say them again. The don't do the gasp and confirm the shame. <gasps> The do empathy instead of sympathy. Instead of I feel sorry for you. You want to do empathy. Empathy instead of sympathy. Um, The disappointment when someone's not perfect. You may look up to somebody or you may be trying to get information from someone. Just because they show their humanness or their vulnerability doesn't mean they still don't have something to share. It just means that they're being real with you. They're being authentic. Um, Being being so uncomfortable with someone else's vulnerability that you throw it back at them. How did you let that happen? Not a good thing. Um, Telling people that whatever they tell you is they're exaggerating and it can't be that bad. That's right. basically saying I can't hear it. And then the last or I don't one, believe you. I don't believe you. Right. And then the last one is confusing connection with one upping, which is, well, you think that's bad? Listen to my story. Right. And what that is is an inability to hear anybody else's pain and think your well, pain is worse. It shuts the door on the conversation. Exactly. It's over. So um, do you have any tournaments of bad? I do have one. Uh, but first we should talk about Avid. Okay. Uh, painting, remodeling. They're actually doing, um, we're getting a bunny. Yes. And they're going to help us kind of get the room going because where my office used to be in the basement is kind of a mess. 
and they're going to repaint it and do some lighting. It's going to be the bunny room. And by the way, we're not getting a bunny because of Easter, yeah, FYI. Just because of Easter. We, no, we've been talking about this for like two years, but a few people I've shared with, they're like, oh, for Easter. I'm like, no. And I finally caved uh, to the pet. Yes. Yes, so, and so so Jeremy and Avid is going to help us out with that. So they do a little project, big projects, you name it. Uh, they're based out of Lombard, Illinois, but they go all over the Chicagoland area. 630-956-1800. 630-956-1800. Make sure you mention Zen Parenting, and uh, he'll make sure he treats you well. Okay. So my tournament bad is um, about once a year, or maybe twice a year, I'll be driving mm-hmm. down the road in the middle of the lane, not doing anything. And all of a sudden, some joker, some mean person, will honk his horn at me as if <laughs> I just cut him off. And my question is, like, does, this, ha- do? does this happen to everybody? Like, it doesn't happen. I mean, I do plenty of things wrong in traffic, which warrant that type of sure. reaction. But about once a year, somebody will, like, get really mad at me or flip me the bird or yell at me or honk. And I am not doing a single thing wrong. That you can see, an that obvious I can thing. see, like, and I usually have a pretty good grasp. Oh, yeah, I cut that guy off. Yeah, yeah. But this happens, and it really grinds my gears. I have an example. I was I was in Elmhurst, downtown Elmhurst, and I was going to parallel park. And I pulled alongside the car, and I was about to parallel park. There were no cars coming behind me. I couldn't see any. And then I started to parallel park. Well, somewhere in in my parallel parking job, which is always an A+, plus, right, Todd? It's not true. It, it's usually an A or a B. No. It, that somebody obviously turned the corner. Right. And I did not, you know. And all of a sudden. And all of a sudden, he was honking at me as if I had just, like, completely thrown off his mojo. And right. I'm like, I'm parallel parking. You were not there when yeah. I started. And you need to relax. And even if you, even if he was there, his job is to, is to create stop. enough space in between you and him so you can back into well, it. Well, and I know he doesn't live in Chicago or never lived in Chicago because in Chicago, everybody parallel That's, parks and you have to wait or you go around yeah. and it's very accepted in the city. Right. In Elmhurst, obviously, and I'm not going to say all of Elmhurst, but this one person, it can't tolerate the, the time it takes. Yeah. Um, so, but yes, I'm just relating to your story. Thank you. I'm not one-upping it, though. Don't one-up me. I'm not sympathetic Feel either. my shame. I'm going to. That's right. Okay. Empathize. Don't sympathize. I know. Um, all right. And you have two books, which are really uh, good. Thank you. Self-Aware Parent 1, Self-Aware Parent 2. Go on my website, kathycadams.com. Um, Todd and I are doing a lot of presentations um, in Chicagoland. And if you want us to do something this spring, email us right away because we we fill up. And um, my, my big push for if you want to do a talk... Um, do the sexuality talk. Yes. Um, with meaning, have us come in and talk to moms and, you know, Hopefully get your group dads. together. Moms and dads will talk to you about how do you talk to your kids about sex and sexuality, not just the act of sex, but the whole concept of their sexuality. Talk to them early about this. Don't wait till they're 14 and they've already learned it somewhere else. Well, and here's a preview if you have the sex talk, you're already doing it wrong. Yes, because you need to, this. It's not a one talk, it's a long term, lifelong discussion. Right. So, okay. Um, and I guess that's it. Vote okay. for our tournament bad and win a t-shirt, maybe. And have a great week. That's right. Adios. Adios. Bye-bye.